Well, if you would turn with me this morning in the Bible, if you didn't bring your Bible with you, you might smile at your neighbor that has one, (laughs) slide over where you can read off of theirs, and uh, go to the book of Hebrews, please. Book of Hebrews. In praying about what we should uh, teach and minister on, on these days, I've got something in my heart that uh, I'm sure you'll be very excited about. And uh, you want to keep an open mind, open heart, right? Uh, Don't jump to conclusions when you hear the subject title. Uh, Because there are certain mindsets that people have and they think, well, that means this. No, just just stay open, see what it means. And uh, the most important thing is to hear from the Lord for yourself through the word. Don't take my word for it. Don't just swallow what I say. What does the Lord say? And you know how many know that he, he can say things to you that I didn't say? Or that your pastors didn't say, right? I mean, in between the lines or about what was being said, he's really our teacher, right? And he's teaching me. And there's a lot of times I'm getting things while I'm preaching. I, I have had to stop and write some of it down. I said, excuse me just a minute. I've had people come up after the service and, oh, Brother Keith, oh, man, that was good. And they start telling me what it was. And I said, uh, say that again? Because well, I didn't say that. That's what they were getting, you know. The Holy Ghost was saying that. So how many identify and say the Holy Ghost is my teacher? Yeah, He's my teacher. And, uh, you know, he keeps teaching you after the service is over. Right? I mean, you can be sitting at lunch after the service today or uh, at your house this afternoon and, and something come up about what you heard in the service. And you see a whole, whole other realm of things. Thank God, that's the way the Word is. It's living. It's alive. Something that's alive, you don't see all there is about it. You keep seeing different sides of it, and and then you look at it tomorrow, and something else has grown out of it because it's alive. Living. Well, let's look at some living Word in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews, we're going to begin in the 12th chapter, in the very first verse. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. He says, wherefore, well, when you see a wherefore, you need to know why it's there for. What it's there for. This wasn't written in chapter and verse, you know, it's just written a letter. And Hebrews 11 comes before 12. And what's in 11? All the different descriptions of individuals and their exploits of faith and how they pleased God through faith. And having said all of that, he said, you know, having seen all this about faith, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. All these people that are mentioned here, Abraham, Sarah, Noah, and Enoch, and Abel, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and all of those. How many know they are not dead? Their bodies are dead, but they're in heaven, right? Just as alive as us and experiencing more fullness of life. And your loved ones that have gone home to be with the Lord, uh, they're not dead. Their bodies 
sleep. But there is no such thing as soul sleep. You are a spirit. And did you know you never sleep inside? Even though your body's laying there asleep, your spirit doesn't sleep. Doesn't need to. There's been many a time I've awakened in the nighttime and realized my spirit, me, the real me, is fellowshipping with God while my body's sleeping. Amen. And uh, even though your body's dead, that doesn't mean your spirit's asleep. Your body dies. What happens when your body dies? Your spirit comes out of your body like a hand comes out of a glove, a perfectly tailored glove. You step out of your body and you go, wow, that's over. Somebody said, will we recognize each other in heaven? Well, do you recognize each other now? You're not going to change into somebody else. You're not going to change into an angel. That'd be a demotion. That's right. You know, the New Testament says, we shall judge angels. Did you know that? No. Now, you'll look better. <laughs> you'll look better. <laughs> and you'll feel better. Whoa, glory to God. Glory to God. You know, we uh, so much of what we experience, everything in this world is tainted and affected by the curse and by sin. And we're used to it because that's all we've ever been in. Oh, but soon we're going to get out of this and we're going to experience what real purity is and what real life is. Oh, glory to God. There won't be any bit of tired. There won't be any, any little remainder of not feeling quite a hundred percent or up to par, much less pain. Pain won't exist. There'll be no more hospitals, no more cemeteries, no more institutions. Did you hear me? How many read in the back of the book, in the book of Revelation? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying. Won't that be wonderful? And that's soon. That's that's not far off. And here's a great thought. For those of us who are born again, names in the Lamb's book of life, for us, this is as bad as it gets. (laughs) Right now, this is as rough and as bad. And if you're living in Christ as a victorious one... I mean, I'm doing all right. How about you? I mean, I'm, yeah, there's some stuff here and there that ain't fun, but you know, for the most part, I'm having a big time. I'm living victoriously. I'm an overcomer. And this is as rough and as bad as it's going to get. After this, it's just joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, that's, whoo. Man, you know, you wish everybody knew this, don't you? You know, wish everybody would get saved and come on in. Quit messing around. So help everybody you can to get on in. Because this thing's winding up. It is. 
So he said, seeing we are compassed with such a great cloud of people who've lived by faith and operated by faith, and they're obviously aware, at least in part, of some of our activities in the earth. I don't think they're aware of all the natural things. You know, they probably don't know and don't care if you got a new suit or a new car. But spiritual things, spiritual progress, obviously they're aware of because that's why I mentioned that these great cloud of witnesses witnessing what? They're wit- they've witnessed to God and they're witnessing us. They're witnessing us run our race. And they're cheering us on from the grandstands in heaven. They're telling us, go get it, boy. It got long. Stay with it. Yeah, don't quit now. Believe God. Yeah, God came through for us. He'll do it for you. Stay with it. Seeing we got this kind of support in heaven. He said, run your race. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset you. Let us run with patience, perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. The author and the finisher. He started you in this thing. He'll finish you up in this thing, right? (laughs) I like saying it just pretty often. I'm going to make it. What what do you mean by that? I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to hit the finish line. I'm going to stick my chest out and hit the ribbon. Yeah, and either leave this world when he comes to take us out or leave my body when I finish my life. And I'm going to stand before the Lord and hear, well done. Well done. I said, well, why? how do you say that? Well, for one thing, we should say it by faith. Amen. We should give him something to work with. And the other thing is, my confidence is not just in me. My confidence is not, you know, in how strong I am or, or how smart I am or how much faith I have that means I'm going to make it. No, I have faith in him, in his love for me. Yes. That's why I'm going to make it. I have faith in his care for me that if I fall, he'll pick me up and I'll still make it. Right? If I get off, he'll correct me and he'll help me. He'll teach me. If I don't get it the first time, he'll tell me again. If I don't get it the tenth time, he'll send three people by and say, hey, Keith. (laughs) Right? And and if I'm not hearing it, he'll crank up the volume and he'll do whatever it takes. To help me and get me through. And because of that, I'm going to make it. Come on, you say it out loud. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And the reason I say that so positively is because my faith is in him. In him loving me. In him helping me. And that's why I'm going to make it. Now he says, the author, the finisher of our faith. He said, who, uh, you know, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's how you can endure rough things today, is by seeing what's ahead on the other side. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Everybody say, don't quit. Don't give up. 
He said, you've not yet resisted to blood striving against sin. And you have forgotten, or some translations put it in a question, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now let's just stop right here. He told us, don't do something. What did he say don't do? Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Now this, we're getting into some of what I was talking about. When you hear the word chasten, you hear the word correct, you hear the word rebuke. So many times people only think of that in a negative way. Right? They hear it, and so many times you, you don't, you know, you, you say something about the chastening of the Lord, and people don't shout. They don't go, whoo, glory to God, chastening of the Lord. Nah, 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 they're like, yes, Lord, help, Lord. Right? I mean, you know, it's, it's viewed in a negative connotation. But what did he tell us? Don't despise it. Now, despise, uh, the word despise in the Bible really means something a little different than our modern usage of it today. We think despise today, when you say somebody's despise, something that means they detested it. They hate it. And it means that in the Bible, but it means a lot more. In the Bible, just to fail to acknowledge and appreciate something means to despise. I'm going to say that again. Do a study on it if you haven't seen it before. But in the Bible, to despise something includes the idea of you just failing to appreciate it. I mean, if you see some of the Lord's things and you go, mm, okay, fine, yeah, whatever. You just despised it. Because you made light of it. And when it's the Lord's things, it's not something to snub. It's not something to make light of and say, eh, you know, whatever. You got to watch that phrase. Yeah, whatever. Watch out. What are you talking about? Yeah, whatever. I mean, understand you don't tell the Lord. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you best not tell him that. The thing is, people are telling them that. They don't realize it, but they are. How many understand when you do that with anything in the Word, you're doing that to God? Yes. This is His Word. Amen. I've, I've literally had people tell me, you know, they told me their problem, and something's not going right in their life, and I tell them what the Word said, and they say, ah, whatever. I've had that happen. More ways than one. Well, see, they don't realize they're not just telling a preacher, yeah, whatever, because I'm not the one who said that. Amen. Right? I'm just repeating what he said. So they just looked up to the Lord and said, ah, whatever. Well, that's why people are in trouble. That kind of thing. So he gives us instruction here. He says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Let's keep reading. He also said, you know, don't faint. When what? When you are, <laughs> you hear how quiet it's getting in, in the crowd. 
<laughs> Don't faint when you are what? When's the last time you got rebuked of him? See, a lot of folks think, well, I never, I don't think. Well, <laughs> that's too long. <laughs> that's like a parent talking about their child, you know. Oh, so-and-so, my, my little angel, uh, 18 years old, and I never had to correct them. Well, then they're a terror. You never corrected them? There ain't no such thing as a child and a teenager that never needed correction. Never needed any correction. No such thing. No such thing as a child of God. Go year after year. Never, ever need any correction. But we live in a society doesn't appreciate correction. Huh? Y'all going to help me with this or not? What do you think? You got something else you can preach, Brother Keith? I think this is it. I think this is it. But it's good. This is good. It is the Bible. It's got to be good. Oh, and, and there are some answers in here that'll straighten out people's lives. Save your life. So believe with me. The Lord says do something else. I'll change in mid-sentence. I'll do it. I've done it and I will do it. But don't despise the chastening of the Lord and don't faint when you are rebuked of him. Everybody say that out loud. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Now, now personalize it. Say, I won't despise the chastening of the Lord. But you stop right there. What does that mean? What does that mean? Would you accept some chastening from the Lord? And when it comes, what will you do? Will you get mad? Will you get upset? Will you despise it? Or will you esteem it? And will you value it? Will you receive it? Nor, he said, don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Does the Lord rebuke? If, I shouldn't say if, when? He rebukes you. What are you supposed to not do? Don't faint. Don't wilt. See, we live in in an emotionally immature, weak, whiny baby society. Did you know that? People that can't take anything. The only thing they'll receive are compliments. That's it. <laughs> they, they won't receive correction. They will a rebuke. They immediately begin to yell. Verbal abuse. You just, you're just abusing me. Verbal abuse. <laughs> All right. 
I, I don't like confrontation. I, I can't. I can't take. You know, it's just not me. I just. I, I'm sorry. And so we got a whole bunch of babies that never grow up. And here, here's the worst part. We've got millions and millions of Christians. They're saved. They love God. But they are so far out of the will of God. They are nowhere near where they're supposed to be in life. Their life is not where it's supposed to be. Their marriage, their family, their finances, their health. They're just living in just such a small part of the blessings. They belong to them. And you know one of the biggest reasons why? They won't take correction. If they listened to the Lord, he would have corrected things long ago and had them on the right path and got them to the best place. But no, no, no. They didn't want it that way. They don't want to hear it that way. No. So, you stay where you are. That's what happens. You stay where you are and years pass and you get older and you're not in the will of God. It's sad. It's because life is so short. We don't have 20 and 40 years to blow. Being hard headed. We don't, we don't have that kind of time to waste them, but we're here for such a short time. So when you see this, you see that Correction is not a bad thing. Correction's a good thing. It's called a manifestation of the love of God. Amen. Amen. Glory. The Lord's with us this morning. I'm telling you, this this is this is where it's at right now. <laughs> he said, Don't despise. The chastening of the Lord. Somebody say, I won't. I don't faint when you're rebuked of him. Somebody say, I, I won't. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges. Now, scourge means, basically means whip. Spank. Whatever you want to call it. I know it's not politically correct. Nor is most of being a Christian. And I know that you got everybody in there, brother, that thinks that they're smarter than God and they wrote all their books about how you're supposed to raise kids and what you're supposed to do. But God's got more kids than anybody. He's been around longer than anybody. And he told us what to do. Amen. And he, he teaches parents to deal with their children the way he deals with his children. There's not three or four different standards here. It's all the same across the board. God loves those he chastens. Now, that's, that doesn't mean he's putting cancer on you to teach you something. That doesn't mean he sent a tornado to blow your house down to teach you something. That's the work of the destroyer. That'd be like a parent breaking their child's leg to show them something. 
Ain't no way you can make right out of that. That's physical abuse. That's not okay. Right? But there are many different ways which one could be disciplined, corrected. But you've got to be willing to receive it. Right? So we, we, we are suffering as a society from the rebellion of the 60s. Nothing was reverenced and respected. Everything was brought down to commonness. And so you've got generation after generation. You've got children that were born to parents who didn't believe in any kind of discipline or respect. Now they've had children. You understand what I'm saying? And they weren't taught this themselves. So you've got multiple generations that are just full of rebellion. And pop up in the world, and from their training, they show up to school, they show up to work, acting like somebody owes them something. They're not givers. They're takers. They're not sowers, they're suckers. You know what I mean by that? They just, they want to suck out everything they can get. They're not those who put into. We got a world full of people that's full of need. All the world needs people that have something to give. Bring something to the table. Not asking, give me, give me, but saying, here, I can help you. Stand still and I'll tell you something. Receive and I'll give you something. Right? Givers. Sowers. I know, uh, he said, don't despise the, uh, the chastening of the Lord. As a boy, oh, about eight years old or so, I used to get beat up on the school bus. <laughs> there were several boys that, uh, I don't know, I guess I rubbed them the wrong way somewhere or another. And, and there was like five brothers and they were all older than me. I had one brother and he was younger than me. Bad combination, you know what I'm saying? And these guys would catch me on the school bus, and three of them would hold me down, while the other one just beat the pudding out of me. Well, my daddy, he's, I come in too many times with a busted lip and a nose, and my dad said, he said, boy, we got to do something with you. He put me in a school of martial arts. And then, this was old school. Martial arts. I mean, this, the guy that was over it, he, uh, trained under the great grandson of one of the founders in Okinawa. And we practiced concrete floors and no pads. This was a few years ago. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I believe I'll try that. Don't. No, <laughs> nah, use the pads. <laughs> and, uh, very disciplined classes. I thank God for it. Help me out. You couldn't lean up against the wall. If you were being talked to, you had to sit your back straight, sit on the floor with your legs crossed. If you leaned up against the wall, you might feel somebody's hand up the back of your head. And you, 
And you're, you're working out and, and your instructors would show you the proper stance or the proper technique. And, and they'd tell you twice, maybe, maybe three times, same thing. Next time, you just feel a foot. <laughs> and, and, and you're on the floor. Because, you know, they could sweep you and put you down in a hurry. You know what I mean? You, you, your feet are swept. Boom. And, and, and here's your correct response. Thank you, sir. <laughs> That's the correct response. Anything else was an incorrect response. Now, what, are, what, do you, what do you say thank you for? Well, because they're helping you. Yeah. Right? You, you weren't getting it through normal instruction. <laughs> They'd already told you a couple of times. So now bouncing off the concrete floor... Has a way of getting your attention marvelously. <laughs> Makes an impression on you. Thank you, sir. Well, see, to get mad and get upset and hurt because, well, he knocked me down. Well, it's a martial arts school. Stuff like that happens. But, but to get mad and upset means I'm despising my correction. But to say, thank you, sir, and to focus and go, why wasn't I getting that? I wasn't paying attention. Get up. Pay more attention. Focus. Get it right. Thank you for pointing that out to me in an abrupt way. Right? Everybody say, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. How many believe we could use some of that in our society? And the reason I bring that up is because we must learn, even though it's not a compliment couched in soft tones, if we needed the correction, it's a blessing. It's a help. We ought to appreciate it. You know, we flew out here. I'm a pilot. We flew out here in our airplane. And from Branson to here, I had to make a lot of corrections. On our course, so I didn't wind up in L.A. instead of here. Right? From Branson, just a degree or two off, flying at several hundred miles an hour, doesn't take you long. You're miles off course. Right? And so, part of the time I'm flying it by hand, part of the time it's on the autopilot, but that autopilot, it has little things that you can watch on it. It's constantly making adjustments. Constantly. I mean, all the time. Constantly. I No telling how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of adjustments it makes per every hour or two to keep you exactly on course. Now, if I've got, a, you know, passengers in the back, you know, they're drinking a ginger ale or eating a sandwich or something, I try to make those corrections easily and softly. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, I try to give them an easy ride, you know, because I don't want to spill their coffee on them, you know, because in a plane, you can. Boy, yeah. you could, you know, you can stand them on their head if you want to. But, uh, but you just, you make small corrections because that's all that's necessary. Everybody say small corrections. But these small corrections, they are necessary on a continuous basis. Are you with me now? You understand? I'm not just telling you an airplane story. Are you you hearing what I'm saying? These small corrections, they're what? They're necessary on a continuous basis. 
It should be an ongoing thing. Learning how to be led by the Spirit. It's not something you learn all about in a day or two or a week or two. But as the more you learn, and the more you learn to pay attention to the greater one who's on the inside of you, you will be making corrections all through the day. Most of the time, they're smaller corrections. Lord, thank you for helping us get this out. You, in your words, it takes development to master your tongue. And there is a perfect way to say everything. There is a perfect response to everything. And you don't learn all that in two years or ten years walking with the Lord. But as you learn to follow the Holy Ghost all day long and all night long, there's so many times I'll say something and I'll think, nah, use this word. Nah, don't say that. That leaves, that's half right, but it leaves the wrong idea on the other half. Of, you understand what I'm talking about? And, and the small corrections. Small, well, what's happening is you're developing all along and your words will carry more power and they'll carry more weight. And like I said, you know, I, I make small corrections. Try not to spill the, the drinks in the back. But if I pop out of a cloud and there's a mountain in front of me, I'm going to spill your drink. And you want me to spill your drink, right? right. (laughs) If you don't have your belt on, I may throw you out your seat. And you want me to throw you out of your seat at that point because we got seconds to live. Are y'all with me now? Why? Well, there's this giant mountain here that we're ripping towards at 500 miles an hour. So your correction now has to be drastic. Right now. And it's upsetting. It upsets everybody's drinks, upsets everybody's conversation, but we can't just sit there and go, now there's some correction coming. And I want y'all to be boom. <laughs> Too late. Right? Now, now, here's another side of it though. Why would that kind of correction be necessary? Because your pilots have messed up. They are way off course. They are somewhere they're not supposed to be. Elsewise, you wouldn't have to make that kind of radical correction. In life, exactly the same way. There are times in your life you need radical correction. Radical. Why? Because your life's in jeopardy. Marriage is in jeopardy. Your children is in jeopardy. I mean, it's serious. We need major correction and we need it right now. Why? Because of getting off so far. Getting off so badly and getting off so far. Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, what's necessary? Small, small changes. Small corrections. And how many of you keep doing small corrections every day, day in, day out, then you never need those radical ones. Because you're staying, even if you get off a little bit, you didn't get off much, you got right back on, and you're staying where you need to be in God and in the plan. So those radical ones are not necessary. Huh? 
Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's read this again. Verse 5. He said, you've forgotten the exhortation. Don't forget this. Which speaks to you as to children, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. How many believe you are a son of God? Then what do sons get? Among other things, they get some chastening. Right? And why do we get chastening from God? Because he loves us. If I saw you about to do something that's going to take your life, and I just stand by and watch, and I say, that's going to take them out. And I just say, well, this ought to be fun. Let's see this. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't care about you. Right? Did you stand by? Watch you go off the deep end? Watch you mess yourself up and perish? That means I don't care. I think, hey, ain't my life. Right? I don't care. And if we can remember that, if see, the Lord corrects us through his word. He corrects us by his spirit, and he corrects us through people. And that's where you run into some stuff. Right? Because so many times people think they're resisting people and don't realize they're despising God's correction. You know, the first generation of Israelites... God brought out of the Egyptian bondage, this was a huge problem with them because so many times they would murmur against Moses and Aaron. They complain about what they're doing and how they're doing it and you didn't do this and why'd you do this and you got us all out here to die and, and the Lord said, read it, it's more than one place. He said, I hear your murmurings which you murmur against me. Yeah, but they weren't calling Jehovah's name. They thought they're talking against Moses. And God took it personally. Yeah. Why? Because Moses was saying what God told him to say. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, Saul later became Paul, the apostle, on the road to Damascus, met the Lord. And the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou my Christians? What did he say? Me. Me. And he, he's saying, who are you? I don't know you. I hadn't persecuted you. Yeah. He takes it personally. And so many things that people think is just a horizontal thing, they think it's just between me and this other person. God's in it. And they're just too carnal to recognize God. you got to be able to receive correction. You got to be able to receive even a rebuke. Huh? You think you can? Can you? 
Now, let me give you another example here. We, we live in a society that uses words too loosely. There is such a thing as verbal abuse. Using your words to purposely try to tear down somebody and hurt them. It's words spoken in hate. Did you hear me? And here's one of the big things that you can help to discern between what is right and what is not. True godly chastisement is always in love. Always. But that doesn't mean it's always soft-spoken. Or that it's a compliment. Did you hear me? In fact, some years ago, uh, in a time of prayer, the Lord said something to me. It caused me to start thinking this way more. He said, if I'd have lived in your day, some people would have accused me of verbal abuse. The Lord. I thought, really? I got to look and I got to think. And I looked up passages. And he said, you bunch of snakes? How are you going to miss hell? You find somebody and get them in your fold, you make them twice the child of hell that you are. I'm quoting Jesus. Right? That's a rebuke. Did he do it? Would he say that because he was mean? Is he trying to hurt them? What was he doing? They're going off the deep end. They are completely away from God. And they call themselves representing God. Sometimes you need to try to get somebody's attention. Right? You know, if they're about to drive off a, a bridge that the middle of middle is out of it, you know, you, you, you don't just say, uh, let me talk to you just a minute. No, you got it. Well, okay. No, you, you yell, hey, stop, bridge is out. Stop. Jesus, you know, sometimes he, he spoke tersely. Not in hate, not mean, but a rebuke, a reproof. I've said this before, but a little bare repetition. I mean, you know, like, like Peter when he walked on the water. If that had been today, a lot of people, it would have been a different scenario. He said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. The Lord said, come on. He stepped out. He looked at the winds and waves and he started sinking. Lord, help me. Lord did. Grabbed him. Pulled him up. He said, Peter, where's your faith? Is that what he said? Why'd you doubt? Now, if that would have been a lot of people. (laughs) Next day, they'd have been at their therapist. (laughs) And then he said... I've had it. I've had it. You know, I've been there for him. I've been there. I left everything. I've waited on him hand and foot. And did anybody else step out of the boat? I don't think so. Everybody else crying and scared. I'm the only one. I'm the, ain't nobody walked on the water but Jesus and me. 
I was walking on the water. I was walking on the water. Did he say, good job, Peter? No. <laughs> That's pretty good for your first time. No, no, he just said, where's your vein? <laughs> huh? That's the kind of society we live in. Can, can take no correction. If it's not a compliment couched in soft tones, they don't want to hear it. No, no, you're abusing me. You're abusing me. And you got to remember, people, their biggest problem is they're, they're like you. I'm talking about the people that God might use to correct you. They might not say it right. They might mess up on part of it. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't right. And the more mature child of God can discern it. And even if it wasn't all right, and even if they messed up on part of it, realize, I needed that. Thank you. And there is a response that many people have never learned. And it's this. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Period. <laughs> Period. You know what I mean by that? Period. What? What? See, see, a lot of times people, they start out pretty good and then they just mess up a perfectly good apology. They just, just totally ruin it. And the reason is because their heart is so full of pride. They can't stand to stop at the period. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. You know, may, maybe, maybe you're right. But you see, <laughs> you, you don't understand. See, it, it was like this. And, and, and if you'd have been there and, and they didn't help me and you hadn't repented, you haven't repented. Repent means change. You can fall across the altar and cry half the night. That doesn't mean you've repented. You can say I'm sorry 500 times. That doesn't mean you've repented. Repent means change. Change. You change. And there's none of us that has never needed to change. There's none of us that goes year after year and never needs to say I'm sorry I was wrong you were right nobody I've had uh, ladies tell me that their husbands in 15 years of marriage never told them one time I was wrong I'm sorry that ain't right I said that ain't right because that man has not been right about everything for 15 years No, no, uh uh-uh. That's too much pride. Choking on pride. And what's the problem with that? God resists the pride. 
You don't want to be in that place. You want, you want the grace that he gives to the humble. And it's by that grace that you're going to come up out of the bad place and into the, the best place. We're, we're supposed to be building every year of our life. is supposed to be improving. Did you hear me? We're supposed to be in a better place. Spiritually and mentally and family wise and financially. We're supposed to be more used of God and closer to God. And we're supposed to be getting better and better and brighter and brighter. And if it's not, people try to make out like, well, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm more shaped now in this area than I was 15 years ago, but it's just the devil attacking me. You just, you know, I guess I'm, I got such a special call on my life. <laughs> That half the devils in hell have been assigned to me. You flatter yourself. <laughs> uh, but you hear that kind of thing, don't you? I go, oh, this, you know, it's such a tremendous thing God's bringing through my life that the devil has, uh, what do you say, that he has successfully crushed your life for the last 15 years? Are you saying he's bigger? Than the God who's inside of you? How about a, an alternative explanation? <laughs> How about he told you what to do 20 years ago? But you pitched a fit and had to have it your way. And you bounced from one place to another. Did you hear me? And every time it got a little hot in the kitchen, you got out the kitchen. Hmm? How about that? And because of that, you never mature. You never grow up. You never develop. You know, I, the further I go in ministry, the more I see this. I guess that's one reason it's strong on my heart. It's sad. I know people. There's been people the Lord sent me to at different times. And this, this is rare. I believe people should hear from the Lord for their self. But there's been a few times, 20, 30 years, that the Lord has sent, get me up in the middle of the night. Send me to somebody. I'd, I'd stay up half the night praying and writing stuff down and go to their home the next day and sit down with them and say, look, now this is unusual and you judge it. But uh, this is the wrong way. Don't go this way. Don't do this thing that you're planning on. Don't do it. If you do it, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you your family. It'll cost you your marriage. It'll cost you your prosperity. It'll cost you your ministry. It'll cost you your health. I've had grown men look at me and cry while I was talking to them. And so, okay. Okay, two weeks later, did it. Went on and did it. Just went right on and did it. I said, why? Well, you've done it. Might not have been as obvious, but which one of us can stand up in here today and say, we have never ignored what the Lord told us to do. But that's the problem. That's why people's lives are less than the perfect will of God has for them. When you see this and you get this revelation, you get to appreciating correction. (laughs) No, you you get to saying, God, correct me. Help me out, please. I mean, show me where I'm wrong. I I, I don't want the alternative. 
Oh, there are millions of people that had their way and had their say and had no idea what it cost them, how much it cost them. Well, I'm going to have my say. We'll have it. Ruin your life. I'm, I'm going to have my way on this. It can cost you years off your life. It can cost you relationships. How many understand now? There are times, no matter what you feel like, how mad you feel, how hurt you feel, how upset you feel, there are times when you are just wrong. You are wrong. There ain't no explaining it. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to get a soft tone in your voice and say, You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Period. Hmm? Right? And another, another phrase after that, I'm going to change. Right? I'm changing it right now. I'm changing it. That's how I'm uh, here in San Francisco and Oakland instead of uh, Alaska Amen. or Mexico. Amen. Right? Because yeah. we kept making those changes. <laughs> kept making those adjustments. We got a GPS that shows the readout and then once in a while it'll say you're off a degree. You're off two degrees. And so you reach over there and you tweak it just a little bit. Tweak it a little bit and sure enough we got exactly to the right airport. That's good. I like getting to the right airport. Because you go to the wrong place. See, that's where the devil wants you. Is at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's where he can destroy you. See, so many times, you know, when Christians, they have car wrecks. They have uh, accidents. They uh, crimes committed against them. So many times, they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. Did you hear me? The devil is always trying to set up destruction for you. But God's smarter than the devil. He, he's way ahead of the devil. But you got to listen. You got to listen. You can't be so set. Well, no, we got this plan. And then I got this on my daytimer. And so I always do this just like this. And I always have to eat at this certain time. And I always have to be at this certain place. Well, you're led by your daytimer. You do understand millions of Christians are not led by the Holy Ghost. They're led by money. They're led by what they want. They're led by all kind of stuff. A lot of times people, they just go through the motion. Well, I better pray about this. So they go in and go, you know, run, die, shun, die, untie my bow tie. Yeah, it'd be okay. Yeah. You, you never heard from God. You just. You already made up your mind. You're just going to go on and do and try to act like, you know, the Lord said to be okay. You've never heard from him. And in order to really hear from the Lord, you must be willing to hear a no about something you think you want to do. Did you hear me? If you don't have that openness, then you're not on the right spiritual frequency to even hear God's voice. You got to be willing for him to tell you something that your flesh doesn't want to hear. I know uh, I used to teach at Rama at Bible Training Center, and part of our job as instructors is that we were to uh, help the students 
to avoid all the public display of affection. Because we've got a lot of young single people there, you know. And uh, my office faced the parking lot. And I had a window right there. And I came back from teaching and looking. And right outside my window is this young man and young woman. And man, they are heating it up. <laughs> kissing. Oh, man. Serious kissing. And, you know, I don't want to fool with that. So I just kind of thought, well, you know, maybe they'll, you know, yeah, <laughs> go somewhere else. And next day, there they are again. I mean, whoo, big time kissing and hugging. How many know a lot of stuff that, that young people do on dates or in courting is designed as, is supposed to be foreplay in marriage. It's got no place. In dating. Did you hear me? But there's so much worldliness around. People hadn't been taught. And so finally I realized I need to say something to them. So I went out. (laughs) I tapped them on the shoulder. They looked around. They they weren't happy to see me. (laughs) I said, guys, I said, uh, you know, this is is against the rules. I said, y'all are not married, are you? And... uh, they said, no, and, and the one gal said, but we're going to be. I said, well, you know, that's exactly the same as not being. <laughs> Did you know that? Are we going to be married? That's, that's exactly the same as not being married. How many people were going to be married and never were? And uh, I said, guys, I said, beside that, I said, there's something else here. I said, I'm not saying you're not supposed to get married. I said, but at this point, your bodies are talking so loud. You couldn't hear God if he's speaking to you through a PA system. <laughs> well, that didn't bless them either. They're like, <laughs> so they, they, they left. <laughs> Now, why did I say that to them? I care about them. I didn't know them that well, but I care about them. I don't want, you know, when you're young, you think you know a lot, don't know much. And and I know these people are here because they feel like they got a call on their life. And how many know you can just mess things up? You, You can fall in love with somebody you're not supposed to be in love with. Some people never even thought about that. Well, I'm in love. That don't mean that's the will of God. But in order to really hear from God, even if you do have strong feelings, you got to be willing for him to tell you, no, that's not the one. If you're not willing to hear that, then you're not serious before the Lord. You won't get direction because he knows that he sees that unwillingness in your heart. This young lady came to me about eight months later. Well, it was about six months later. She said, Brother Keith, can I speak to you? I said, yeah. She said, do you remember me? And I didn't. She said, you know, we were out, you know, parking lot there kissing. And I, I said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said, I, I was mad at you that day. I said, I know you were. Uh, she said, but thank you. I said, what do you mean? She said, uh, you made me mad. She said, but uh, I couldn't get away from what you said. 
Your bodies are talking so loud. You couldn't hear from God if he's talking to you through a PA system. She said, I begin to think about that. That Well, am I hearing from God about this? Because your, your body has a voice. Right? Your hormones all stirred up. Man, it's screaming at you. Right? It, it's loud. And you don't want to be led by that. Right? You want to be led by the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times in order to, to hear that, you've got to quieten the other one down. So she began to talk to her boyfriend. She said, you know, I, I think we're moving a little fast. You know, let's, let, let's cool off for of some of this. And let's really seek God about that. Well, he got mad, which is a bad sign. Did you hear me? Bad sign. You know, when somebody says, I, I love you, I need you, they just got through telling you they don't love you. Come on. So, what do you mean, Brother Keith? Well, I love you, I need you means I love me. I love what you do for me. I love how you make me feel. That's got nothing to do with me loving you. Nothing. I love you, I need you is not the God kind of love. What is the God kind of love? God loved us while we were doing nothing for him. You know what I mean by that? We were his enemies. We were not giving him warm and fuzzies. And he loved us and he gave Jesus for us. That's love. That's love. You're asking for nothing. Did you hear me? You, you love somebody, you want to see them happy. You want to bless them. You want to do something for them. Love gives. Self-love gives to self. What can you do for me? And he got, he got mad. But thank God she had enough discernment to realize that's not a good sign. She said, so she insisted, let's cool off. And she got to seeking God. And she said, the Lord told her he is not the one. She said, thank you. Well, that was some correction. And she didn't enjoy it. But it was a good thing. I said it was a good thing. And you see that kind of thing again and again and again. And in God, this is our first time. You know, I know some people believe in uh, reincarnation. But I don't. And the Bible doesn't. And this is your first time through here. So we don't know much. Right? And God would have us tweaking all the time. Changing. Why? Because this is faith school. This is not the end. This is the beginning. This is training camp. Do you know that? God is training us to rule and reign with him forever. We require a lot of adjustment. Our mind requires complete renewal. Yes. Right? Yes. And so if you're not just all, every day, if you're not seeing things, uh, that's not quite right. Change that. Yeah, no, I thought that way for 20 years, but now I see that that's not quite right. If you're not seeing things like this just on a continuing basis, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. You go for two years and feel like I'm fine just like I am. <laughs> I don't th- I think I need to change a thing. <laughs> you are way off course. <laughs> you about to pop out a cloud and see a mountain. I mean, I'm serious, you are. 
you are, you, you better make some radical changes. Cause that's what happened. You get further and further off course and further, you, you don't even know where you are. Hallelujah. Have I gone long already? It's about time for us to find a pause button here. Now, I, I don't know about finish, but pause. Can you be back tonight? Good. Good. Finish reading this in verse 6. Whom the Lord loves, he what? Everybody said out loud, the Lord loves me. He chastens me. And I esteem it. I appreciate it. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? All children need correction. All. All of them. Right? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you are illegitimate. Or the King James would use a stronger word. And not sons. Well, that's, that's a strong thing, isn't it? Must have been necessary to say it this strong. I mean, if you don't have correction, if you don't receive chastisement, that's an indication you are illegitimate. You're not really a child of God. Uh-uh. Correct me. Right? Correct. God is my father. I am his son. I get chastened. Yeah, I get corrected. Yeah. I'm one of the boys. Right? You wanna, you one of the boys or the girls? We, we in the family. Yeah. He doesn't just correct me and don't correct you. Yeah, he corrects all of us. Right? And it shouldn't be a scourge and it shouldn't be a, this huge negative. You come in and go, I got corrected today. Everybody shouldn't turn around and go, hmm. I mean, that's, that's ignorance and pride. Every, every one of us that's growing, we go, yeah, me too this morning. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mr. Man, I got, I got a spiritual spanking. So yeah, I got one last week. But we coming on up, right? I mean, thank God he loves us enough to help us out and show us, keep us on the path. Thank God he didn't just leave us alone, let us hit the mountain. Right? He loves us. Because he loves us, he corrects us. And people in your life that love you, they're going to correct you. Right? That's one reason God gave us pastors. Ministers. You know what I mean by that? It's one reason God gave us pastors. But see, we, we got this mentality where people say, we all have the Holy Ghost. I hear from God too. And if I need something from God, He tells me direct. And that's all I receive is direct. You got more problems than you think. <laughs> because the Bible teaches that we are a body. Is that right? A body of Christ. I'm not the body. You're not the body. I'm a member in the body. You're a member. All of us together, worldwide, heaven and earth, make up the body of Christ. Well, my hand here is moving. The direction came from the head. 
But did it just come through the air? Huh? Did it come through the air to the finger to move? No, it came through body parts. It came through the shoulder. It came through the upper arm. It came through the, the forearm. It came through the wrist. Right? What if my finger said, nah, hand, I'm fed up with you. It's just hand in the morning, hand at noontime, hand when the sun goes down. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of you. Always telling me what to do. I only take my instructions straight from the head. That's all I take. Head to the finger. That's all I receive. Well, it's going to be a dead finger. Right? It's going to be a paralyzed, dead, useless finger because the blood flows through other body parts and the nerves and the life. It flows through body parts. Yeah, there's a lot of things you'll get direct from the head, but there's a lot of things you will not get direct from the head. It's going to come through other body parts. And if you don't receive through them, you won't receive from him. If you despise what comes through them, you despise what comes from him. And so a lot of people are just, they're too finicky. You know, it's like drinking water. If you're starving for water, you can't say, I don't like blue cups. That's a blue cup. It's a good cup. It's full of water. But no, I don't like white cups. I only drink from black cups. Come on, come on. I don't. I don't like that shape cup. I only drink from skinny cups. I don't drink from big cups. I mean, what I'm talking about? See, all of us, we are vessels. We're vessels. No, if you're looking for water, you just better say thank you for any kind of cup, right? Thanks for the water. It's the water. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Stand on your feet before I get to preaching again. Oh, lift up your hands and thank God for his goodness. Thank you, Lord. What a good God you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's thank him for correction. Let's thank him for chastisement. Thank you, Lord, for helping us when we need it. Thank you for correction. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise you, Lord. Say it out loud, Father God. I love you. I know you love me. And those you love, you correct. I receive, I receive anything, anything from you. From you. I, purpose I purpose to do so. To do so. Wherever, I need Wherever I need correction, I ask you to help me with it. Whatever changes I need to make. If I need to be rebuked, give it to me. Give it to me. Help me with it, please. Help me with it, please. I'll receive it. I'll, it. I'll appreciate it. I desire to be in your perfect will, to perfectly please you, to fully obey you, and to enjoy your best. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, 
visit our website at morelife.org.